You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of 21 Questions. Welcome back, Chiefs Kingdom, to another edition of 21 Questions, new podcast where you guys ask us questions of any kind. We come in here, we answer them today. I'm happy. I, I For the first time, I think, since KCS has started, I get to sit down here with Mike DeVito himself, answer some of your guys' questions. We appreciate you guys for putting them out there. I'm excited to do this. Uh, Mike, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing great. Man. Thank you so much for having me on. Listen, I, I'm a little bit self-conscious right now. You're over there, guns out, looking good, and I got these man boobs. Come on, brother. Help me yeah, out. No. You're supposed to help so- and see, here's the thing. I was nervous because I always do the 21 question show without sleeves. It's just a bit that I started when we started the company. It's just what I do. And I thought when I did it, you might come in sleeveless. And I'd be like, oh no, now like I'm the I'm the little guy now. It's like I was even questioning if I should do it. So okay. We're both self-conscious. I wouldn't do that to our subscribers, bro. <laughs> okay, so uh, we're going to get into this bad boy. Um, if you guys don't know, 21 questions. We field all these questions from the KCSN Discord. So anybody that has subscribed to the KCSN Substack, that's kcsn.substack.com, you get an invite to the Discord. That's where we take all these questions. If you're not or if you're subscribed but you don't understand Discord, you can try to DM you know somebody at KCS and we can try to get your questions answered. But the majority of them do come from the Discord. It's the easiest way for us. So if you want to participate, please come in there, drop some questions, and we are going to start this thing off. Uh, I think it's a perfect question to start. To you, Mike, um, how has Torshan Wharton looked so far this year? I know he's kind of coming back from the lower body injury last year, so there's probably some rust to shake off. But how's he been looking to you so far to start the season? You know, this last game, I thought he really came into his own. It's really miraculous that he was able to get back as fast as he did. It's a testimony to his work ethic. And obviously, we've talked at length about Rick Buckholter and the, the training staff over there at KC. I mean, they're just incredible. Um, you know, that was a crazy, that was a hard injury. And to come back as fast as he did, be ready for the season. Like you said, there's always rust. I, I remember coming back from my Achilles injury. You know, it, t- it took me a little bit. In fact, I lost my I lost my starting job because, I, you know, I took me so long to get back to where I needed to be. Um, so it's just, it's just hard. It's hard. And, you know, especially given how limited these guys have on the field with OTAs and training game, the way time has been cut back. Um, it's hard to get back and be ready to go. And so I think he's done a really good job coming back off the injury. And I think we've seen progressions each week in this last week. I think he really looked good. So uh, I'm excited for Wharton. I think he's going to have another great year. And I think he's, you know, it's, I think he's an asset to the Chiefs defense. No, absolutely. I'm with you. I thought he played his best game this past week versus the Chargers. It looks like he's kind of getting back some of that that explosion. That, you know, that's kind of how he won. A little bit of a smaller D tackle, right? So, like, he's not going to be necessarily taking on double teams all the time. Like, he wins with his quickness, especially his lateral agility. It looks like it's coming back. So, like, as long as that keeps progressing, I, I think we're looking pretty good to add him back, a healthy Wharton back to this DT rotation. It's maybe been a little thin. And on that note, that question was from Grayson Jasper. So he also had a follow-up. And I think Steve Gray had a similar-minded question here. So we're going to kind of talk about the uh, the process. Keandre Coburn was waived as the Chiefs brought in or traded for McCall Hardman. He was one of the moves that was made. I think the Chiefs' plan was to get him to the practice squad because late-round pick, not a lot of tape available. I think they wanted to get him to the practice squad. That unfortunately didn't happen. What do you think are some things that go into that decision to kind of let or to wave Coburn trying to get him to the practice squad versus maybe trying to find somebody else to let go. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's the same reason that I, you know, I had to leave the league when I did. I mean, it's just, you know, Colburn is much better player than I ever was, but he fits that. Sort of, he's that old school mold, mold, right? I mean, he's a bigger run stop. He's explosive, and there's just not, a, especially when you're playing the Chiefs, right? Because if you're thinking of opposing offenses coming in to play Kansas City. They're not thinking, hey, we're going to run the ball out of 21 personnel 50 times. You know what I mean? They're thinking, hey, we got to keep up, so we're going to be an 11 and we're tossing it. And that's what we see, you know, that's what we see every week. And so when you're looking at a roster and you're evaluating a roster, you're thinking, okay, Colburn, great player, fits this run stop and mode, obviously has the ability to affect the pass, but he's more of a, you know, two-down guy, and they're just, there isn't a, a premium for that anymore. It's really a luxury and so when you have a roster situation going on, like you just said, the guys that are luxuries are going to go first. And so, and I, I really like Bober. I think uh, when I look at his film in Texas and, and everything that I saw from him, I like him as a player. Uh, he, you know, he reminds me again, a lot of myself when I was playing more explosive, better version, but like that same mold. And so I was sad when he, when he, especially signed with Denver, I mean, that's killer, but I think, you know, put myself in the, the mindset of Veach and Andy Reid. I'm thinking that's probably the reasoning that they let, you know, KC go and keep these other guys is because, you know, again, he's just a little bit more limited in what he can contribute to the defense. Yeah, I, mean, I agree with that. And I think that's a great point. You know, while we're still talking about defensive tackles, Coburn is definitely a little bit more in the mold of probably a run stuffer. I mean, that explosion can play its dividends on passing downs a little bit more of a run stuffer. So they look at, they're looking at their roster like, okay, Matt Dickerson is playing a couple snaps every game. He's a little bit more of a pass rusher than Coburn is at this point in time in their career. He makes more sense for our team right this second, even if the long-term outlook might not be as bright. And we traded for Neil Farrell, who they're probably sitting there looking and saying, hey, if Derek Noddy gets hurt, Farrell's more ready to step in right now than Coburn might be. So he's our backup nose tackle, so to speak. I, I think that's where they're coming from. But I'm with you. It hurt. Like, shout out Mount Dickerson. He's playing good, good snaps for the Chiefs. But like, I, I really wanted to keep Coburn around, and like, I was a little, a little disappointed in the decision, especially getting him to Denver there. Yeah, yeah, and he's a likable guy too. But no, that's a great point. That's a great point to think about the way the sort of depth chart is stacking up too. He's, you're right. He's further down the line, and so that's another reason you let one of those guys go. So good point. All right. So next up, this is from ABKC. Hasn't Mahomes had a different QB coach every single year? And how do we think that affects his decision-making from year to year? Uh, so I'll ask you first about this. Like, what is the positional coaches, like your interaction with the positional coach as that changes over year to year? How does that kind of go for players on the team first? And then we'll kind of transition to maybe quarterback specifically. Yeah. So it's a lot of 99% of the time, it's really important, um, uh, especially for players like me. I mean, I really played up or down to the level of my coaching. Um, and so, you know, it was really important for me to have a good position coach and I was very lucky to have a lot of very good position coaches. Um, but there are exceptions and I think Kansas city with Pat Mahomes is one of those exceptions. First off, you got Andy Reid, who was involved with that position, you know, just as much or if not more than your, your normal coaches. And so, um, you know, with all that, you know, with, with the position coaches being transient, it's still, um, the case that you have Andy Reid there. And then there are those rare players that, like Mahomes, like you know Brady and Manning before, where you basically, I mean, you, I don't even know if Mahomes needs an OC at this point, given how much he knows, 
how talented he is. He probably could be like Manning and go out there and just call the plays and do it all himself. Um, so, you know, again, would you like it to be stable? Sure. If there's going to be a place where it's, it is moving around and coaches are coming and going, that's the place for it to be because, you know, Mahomes and Andy Reid are going to be Mahomes and Andy Reid regardless of who else is in there in that room. Yeah, and, you know, Matt Nagy was back as a QB coach last year. Now to OC, that's another familiar face that's in there. Um, everybody that's getting progressed through this this coaching staff right now, too, has kind of been there. You know, it's been passing game coordinators, assistant coaches, quality control guys. They're all helping. He's, Mahomes has had interactions with them, sat in the meeting rooms with them. I don't think sometimes, like we've heard about Joe Blaymeyer working on the passing on third down situations or Connor Embry being in charge of this part of like the offensive game plan week after week. I think there is familiarity. So I, I think Mike's right there. Like Mahomes probably doesn't need a direct, you know, OC QB coach in terms of structuring out the game, calling him plays necessarily. I don't know if it impacts his decision making. Like what is he gaining from a QB coach in terms of like his mechanics necessarily or how he's playing I think he's getting most of that sorted out. They're kind of helping with tendencies, foreseeing you know the overall structure of the offense as a big piece, not specifically to Mahomes at this point of his career. Early on, absolutely, but at this point, I feel like it's probably a little bit bigger picture than specifically on him. Yeah, yeah, totally. All right, so next we got Julian K. Uh, did McCole Hardman fix the offense? I mean, hey, early returns might be yes. Right, just just the presence of him might be yes. I mean. I, you know, I know you're focusing mostly on the defense when you're watching the games, but like, what do you think of kind of McCole Hardman's like impact just in that first game back on the special teams? Obviously, great, but the offensive side of the ball. You know, I really liked what because I didn't play with Hardman when I was there. Obviously, he was after me, but I liked what Kelsey said, um, and it gave you a little bit of insight into Hardman's place in that locker room. He said he's just a guy that brings a lot of energy, right? He's a guy brings a lot of optimism, a lot of. I, mean, I can't remember Kelsey's exact quote, but basically. Like, he had the guys fired up just having him back in the building. And so that alone is is very special. Obviously, he has the talent to produce on the field as well. He knows Mahomes. He, you know, they know each other. We saw that on Sunday. I also laugh a little bit with the fix of the offense. Uh, it's like, even that she, like, they've been so spoiled with how great Kansas City's been. Like, I would have died to have an offense that as good as the Chiefs have been the first seven games when it's two of the years I was playing, you know? So... But he is certainly a help, and he made a big difference. We saw that. Just another target, frees up a lot of the other guys. Um, And so, no, I think think he does. Again, I I wouldn't – I think fix the offense might be a little bit dramatic, but I I do think he helps. And uh, and we saw – again, we saw that Sunday. Yeah, and like I'm with you. The offense wasn't really needing fixing. I think it was just a matter of finding consistency. Like they were still very good, and they were they weren't helping the defense as much as they wanted to, right? But they were still a very good offense. They weren't by any stretch a poor offense, and it just took whether it was Hardman or not. This offense was going to have a game like this that happened. It just happened to coincide with Hardman coming back, who had a good game. Like right, don't get me wrong. He had I think he was second on the team and third down targets for a guy that just showed up this week and played like. 11 snaps or had 11 pass routes. That's kind of impressive. Um, it's like they were clearly trying to get him involved. He clearly helped. I'm interested going forward. I think his speed was something this offense was missing. Like, they're not a slow team, but they don't have the same level of speed that they have had from 2018 until, you know, essentially last year once they lost Tyree Kill and then McCall Hardman got hurt. Adding him back gives a real speed element that I think this offense is missing. So we saw the one attempted deep shot. 
fell a little short because Mahomes got hit as he threw it. I think there was another one that was a deep over that pressure got to Mahomes just before he was probably going to find Hardman what, what it should have been, a you know, 30, 40 yard type of gain. The deep shots are coming, I think, with him back. So that speed, that speed is big. Um, we had another new player come our guy come play for the Chiefs for the first time this season, but we'll get to that right after this quick break. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Hey, everyone. This is BJ Kissel, and I want to tell you about our friends at Batchelder Family Farms and KC Buffalo Company. Located in Belton, Missouri, on the south end of Kansas City, this family-owned business has been taking care of Chiefs Kingdom's meat needs for nearly 100 years, even before Chiefs Kingdom but it's where you want to get your meat going forward. Whether you're looking for the most flavorful steaks, beef, roasts, or even bison meat, they've got you covered. They've got all the cuts on their grass-fed, hormone-free bison and beef products. Check out Batchelder Family Farms. Support local, support good meat. With the busy fall season already in swing, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for those jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Relish the best of autumn with fall flavors, our limited-time, only, hearty, comforting meals featuring seasonal veggies like cranberry pecan chicken and apple Dijon pork chops, ready in just two minutes. They'll satisfy your fall cravings during the busy season without the hassle. Looking for calorie-conscious options during the busy season? Try delicious, dietitian-approved, calorie-smart meals with around or less than 550 calories per serving. Head to factormeals.com KCSN50 and use code KCSN50 to get 50% off. That's code KCSN50 at factormeals.com KCSN50 to get 50% off. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. 
Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. All right, and we're back with 21 questions. Matt Lane, Mike DeVito here, and now we're going to the defensive side of the ball for the other new addition. Um, Zach Zeminarax asked, you know, could you ask for more of the two players, McCole Hardman and Charles O'Minihue, that made their Chiefs 2023 debut last week? We just talked about Hardman, so let's let you talk about Charles O'Minihue and kind of just, you know, how well you thought he played in this game going uh, against the Chargers. Yeah, I think he's a great addition. I mean, he fits the mold right now for what you're looking for in an ideal defensive lineman, right? I think he's 6'5", 208 pounds, fast, explosive, long. And you saw that out there on Sunday. And it is a testament to him, you know, because you can say with uh, Harmon, right, he's already familiar with everything going on over there. Um, that's not the case with the men you. And so to see him come in, take off, do a great job. And, you know, there's also a level, you know, there's a level of, Hey, the, the expectations are low here, given you're just getting here, your first week back, you know what I mean? All this stuff. And, um, you know, so you could see he played with a little bit of, you know, he played with passion, he played loose. So those are all great things to see with him coming back. And I think he, I think he's a huge addition. But to, to the question to both of those guys, that, that really is a, a testament to, um, well, two things. One, the focus on detail in Kansas City's locker room in, in those in those um st- in those um uh, position meetings coordinator meetings because you know with with Harmon that speaks to all the time he's been there before even with his time in New York he didn't lose that he was ready to like he knew exactly what he was coming into and that's because the details are drilled into you there in Kansas City you're gonna you the little things are important and that doesn't leave you when you leave and so it was easy for him to pick right back up and go in and same thing on the other side of the ball. And so, but it was impressive to see those guys come out and and play and be productive on such short notice. So that was good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I really liked. I've been excited for Charles Abinahue's kind of uh, introduction to this team this year because I was watching back and just like his uh, progression from with the Texans to the 49ers last year. And I mean, the 49ers are great right now at kind of developing these very traitsy edge rushers that can kick inside, outside, and having them have a great year and then go off to another team and continue to ascend. And so like, well, many, he was great last year for them. He comes to Kansas City, thought he looked good in the preseason. So like, I was really excited. And then I think he didn't fall short at all. I mean, he had the big batted pass that led to the interception, you know, down by the Chiefs goal line. Great play there. He was the guy that came up. It was a coverage sack. Don't get me wrong, but the effort was there. He's the one that sacked Justin Herbert when the uh, Chiefs were kind of at the end of half to allow the Chiefs to double up before and after halftime there or try to double up after halftime. Like he made big plays and big moments. He did it from the outside and the inside. And the way Chris Jones is playing, especially when they kick him out the D end right now, I think having another pass rusher that can win one-on-one on the inside like O'Minnie you can, I think that's going to play huge dividend down the line because like his quickness on the interior combined with Jones' abilities at the end right now, like that's a that's a nightmare for any guard tackle combo in the NFL. That's no, that's a great point. And that's the key with somebody when you have somebody like Chris out there is if you can have a guy that can also, you know, warrant attention where you can't just say, listen, put everybody on Chris and let, you know, one up everybody else. 
when you have one other guy like a Frank Clark out there where you have to worry about him too, now that becomes really a problem because they can't double and triple team Chris every time. And, you know, now you you see either that other guy's going to get free or Chris is going to get free. And when you can get a bit pressure with those front four, don't have to worry about blitzing and all that stuff, it just makes things so much easier. So, yeah, that's a good point, man. I didn't think of it like that. But he that's another, you know, important reason why he adds so much value to that Chiefs defense. Okay, so we got two big returns, and now we have to talk about it. Nick Bolton dislocates his wrist in this game. Highly unfortunate. He came back. He was having a good game. I think, I don't know, I don't know for sure. It looked to me like he got his hand stuck in the shoulder pads, like the chest plate of Allen, and then fell on it, and like you could tell he was in pain. He got to the sideline and just couldn't get all the way off the field. Terrible, terrible news. We'll see, you know, hopefully he comes back this year. So there is going to be a roster spot open for the Chiefs. Nick Bolton is most likely going to go to the IR. Uh, there will be a roster spot open. They currently were carrying, I believe, five linebackers. They had Nick Bolton, Drew Tranquil, Willie Gay, Leo Chanel. Uh, they're carrying six because they also had Jack Cochran and Cam Jones was active. So they now have five linebackers still on the roster. Do you think the Chiefs will go ahead and activate, bring up you know, another linebacker to keep that six? Is there another position that you think they might bring up to kind of fulfill out this uh, roster here? How do you think they might approach that? You know, it's a good, it's a good point. It's a good question. V, you know, Vijay and Andy Reid are, are really, um, uh, you know, unique or novel when it comes to how they build rosters. They could always have some trick up their sleeve. But at least from my past experience, generally, even regardless of what the, there was a reason there were that many guys in the, in the locker room. And uh, losing one of those guys, you're usually always going to replace it with another guy at that position. So, if I were to hedge my bets, I would say they probably bring in, given conventional wisdom, they'll probably bring another linebacker in, a guy maybe that can contribute on special teams, a guy that can, you know, be there to to fill in, you know, if need be on defense. But at the same time, again, given Veach and Andy Reid and how they like to spice things up, you know, it could be something different. So we never know. But but yeah, if I again, if I had to bet, I would say they're going to get another linebacker. Yeah, I I would lean I would lean that way too. Um, I don't think they brought in another linebacker when he was missing time earlier this year. Um, so I don't know if that will be their move. But like Isaiah Moore sitting on the practice squad, he's another undrafted rookie that I know that they liked coming in. I honestly think his skill set's kind of similar to Bull, not near as good, but like a box kind of linebacker. Hopefully, he has some special teams ability. Uh, right now, Cam Jones, Jack, uh, Jack Cochran are playing a ton of special team snaps. Right, like they're they're two you know, core special teamers for this team. If one of them gets a few more straight defensive reps, maybe you want to pair back a little bit on what they're doing on teams just so you don't have another injury. So you might see some protection there. Or hey, my personal fan fiction favorite, this is, you know, maybe this is the roster spot where uh, Frank Clark gets to come back. You know, we'll, we'll yeah, just, just put the fan fiction out there. That's good, Matt. That would be nice. I, I, I you know, he just, he's, just a chief, man. Like I don't, I don't know what he has left on the tank on the field. I didn't see much of Denver, but like he just, you like, talk about a locker room presence and all the intangible things he can bring, like and just the type of personality he is. Yeah, I mean, he's Chiefs. I'd love to see him, but that's a good point. I'd love to see him back. Yeah, so yeah, we're talking like maybe bringing up the same position for Nick Bolton. Come out, but like, what about just bringing like the same kind of like leader? You know, like Frank Clark yeah, is played linebacker, but same type of like leader kind of guy. I don't know. That's just I don't know if it'll happen, but like I, I'm crossing my fingers. He, you know, we know he was in Kansas City. Matt, that's such a unique perspective. You're exactly right. I didn't think about that with Bolton, but you do. You you don't just lose a linebacker there. You lose a like a primary leader. 
So to bring somebody back like Frank would make a lot of sense. I'd rather have, I'd rather fill the leadership position and be one short a linebacker than have the extra linebacker, but lose, you know, not have that extra leader out there. That is an excellent point. Now I could, I could see that. I can see them definitely bring it back, Clark, you know, for that reason alone. That's good. Perfectly do it before Denver too. That would be the best. That was a good question, Will Yoder. We appreciate that. Um, we got the big institution's biggest fan. Uh, the big institution is what uh, some fans like to call Craig Stout. Um, so, you know, if you ever want to call him the big institution, feel free. <laughs> How should I feel about Clyde Edwards production this year? What's wrong with the run game? So uh, let's split up. Clyde Edwards I know the production this year hasn't been great. I know a lot of fans saw the drop screen pass. They see a two-yard run and they're wondering why isn't it Isaiah Pacheco? Why is he playing it all? So on and so forth. Right. I'll defend Clyde a little bit here because... I think if you remove the first round tag, I think a lot of the the disdain for him goes away. I think if you consider that he had a significant hip injury as a rookie that clearly has taken away some of his like change of direction ability. Like he hasn't moved the same since that hip injury. And I don't know if he ever will. And like that's, you know, we can't pretend it's not there, but it is there. And but when you watch him run, he gets what the what is blocked for him. I know he's not the most elusive back. He is getting what's blocked for. The O line gives him five yards, he's getting five yards. They give him zero, he's getting zero. Like I know that's frustrating, but I don't think he's been near as bad as I think fans ought to say. He's just not able to turn a you know mediocre play into a great play or a bad play into a good play, and that's okay for a backup running back, which is his role. I think that's completely acceptable. He knows the playbook, acceptable in pass pro, acceptable as a wide receiver, fine as a runner. And that's where I am with it. Do you have any you know takes on Clyde Edwards from what yeah, you've seen so far, Mike? Well, I think you make a good point. I, I've said this on the show before, but you know. When I was coming over to KC in 2013, Glenn Dorsey, big defensive tackle, had just left. Tyson Jackson was, you know, the defensive end, uh, you know, uh, across from me or opposite of me on the field. And I remember following those guys' careers a lot and watching the tape and loving the way they played. Um, but because they were three, four defensive ends and didn't get a ton of sacks and were drafted in the first round, everybody hated on them. Now, a guy like me who comes in as an undrafted agent undrafted free agent and does those the same things that those guys do everybody you know I, I was very lucky to have a lot of people who had my back said yeah I would love to be on this set and the other and but they were you know they were better than I was but it's just amazing you when you when you take into account where they got drafted now the and I understand it but now the um the uh, evaluation changes and so I think you're right I think uh, a layer Phil you know does his role he's a good back he's a guy you want on the roster he's a good backup guy and it's just that, you know, the first round pick, which was not, or whatever he got picked, that's not anything that uh, that he can control. He just, he is who he is. And uh, and you take it for what it is. And then when you when you talk about the run game, I think one thing, and this would be a good thing to ask Jeff Allen or Mitch Schwartz or whoever else we have on the offensive line guys. Um, again, I think this is a product of the way the league, it continues to change to be a more passing league. The run game is very much timing, technique, especially the way Kansas City does it. And there is a, um, you have to do it over and over again. You know, when you're just sprinkling in a few runs, it's hard to get the momentum going. It's hard to get that, um, uh, uh, well, it's just hard to get the, run, you know, to, to say, okay, evaluate the run game. And we're only sprinkling it in every once in a while. And so I don't know if the, you know, the run game has been bad. It just, I just don't think it has been as much of a focus as maybe as it, it could have, it could be. Um, but they just they throw the football a lot, and sometimes it's hard to get in the groove, especially up front of those offensive linemen with the techniques and all that stuff in the run game and the backs as well. When you only are running the ball, I don't know what they're running the ball a game, but 
<laughs> it feels like it's probably the yeah the normal Andy Reid like lower amount and like that's fine the the team's winning like it's okay that's right, uh, right exactly. those are those are great points because like I've had a couple conversations with some offensive linemen that have played for the Chiefs and they kind of said the same thing about like even training camp you know working with Andy Heck there's not a lot of time spent working on the run game and like that makes sense for an Andy Reid training camp given right. how he wants to run his offense they're not going to spin and then you compare that to teams like the titans in their heyday the ravens you know any good running team how much do you think they're working on the run game and training camp versus the chiefs there's probably a reason they pass off their combos they work up the backer at a more consistent level because they do it a lot more often in practice than the chiefs are and like that's just going to come to show eventually in the game i did want to ask you though for your perspective as a defensive lineman right you're going into a game how different is it to prepare for a team where you're expecting the Chiefs run a lot of zone runs, right? They run a lot of zone stuff and we like it. Everybody likes it when they run gap because it seems to work. How difficult is it for you to go in expecting zone runs and then all of a sudden you're getting hit with, you know, a gap heavy scheme coming at you as a defensive lineman? How difficult is that to adjust for? And can that like kind of play a part in some of the Chiefs running success when they do switch up their tactics? Well, I would I would have preferred if they went to a gap steam run. Okay. Stuff, <laughs> yeah. Stuff. But you're right. You go in there and you're scouting a team like that and you're expecting hard zone and then all of a sudden they're running power and ISO, especially with the guys they got on that offensive line. You know, when you've been playing, okay, don't get reached, stay in my gap, make sure I get knocked back. And, all you know, you've been practicing that all week. Now all of a sudden you've got Trey and everybody on a double team. Uh, that's a whole other deal. And so so you're right. Switching it up make a bit make a big difference. Um, but, yeah, no, personally as a defensive lineman, I, I would much rather play that cap <laughs> stuff. You know, give me the double teams all day. I, I can't stand a running after a be on the backside of his own play, getting cut and <laughs> a base hitting the ground, you know, that like Oh no. Yeah. But let's no, that's fair. And yeah, I just wanted to ask, yeah, just like that perspective of just getting something a complete curveball. We talk about it with the Chiefs more often in coverage when they see man or zone. As like we talk about that all the time. And so the same thing applies to a run game. I just, yeah, just wanted to get your idea of like how you'd be preparing different. Um next we got one from Cheddar Bob. I, I think this is a good question. How much information do teams get when they sign a former player from another team? So we just talked about Keandre Coburn. He now goes to the Broncos. What kind of information can they get from him? How much do players, do they want to just spill everything? Like, how does that interaction work? Yeah, they're, they're going to spill everything. I mean, you know, it'd be weird if, you know, Coburn went in there and they said, tell us what's up. And he said, no, I wouldn't be surprised given how tight knit the Chiefs locker room is. But, um, but they're going to say everything. I think, I think it matters a lot more when it's the opposite position. So if an off, if Denver would have signed an offensive player, and now as a defensive player, I can get you know I can I can hear what their snap count is. I can learn what their calls are up front, what they like to do. You know, the other way around on defense, there's not a there's not a ton that I think Colburn can tell them that they're going to say, oh, yeah, we can pick up on that. You know, because they can see what kind of defenses KC likes to run. And, you know, if they had gotten a midweek, obviously he can tell them what the game plan is. But there isn't as much communication with calls. There isn't as much stuff like that where it's going to give some huge advantage to the offense, I don't think. I think it's better, again, when it's the opposite. So if an offensive player had gone to uh to Denver now they can fill them in that defense in on everything that you know all the checks and calls and all the stuff the offense is doing I don't think it's going to factor in that much in, in this case and it's good a defensive lineman normally 
you know, isn't keyed in on what's going on in the secondary, what the linebackers do and special calls on the end. Like even as somebody who is more of a heady player, I didn't know what the hell those guys <laughs> affect me. You know what I mean? And so uh, he's really, you know, he's coming in with a limited amount of information, I think, that could really help Denver on Sunday. No, that's right. And especially being like a, a younger guy, a rookie trying to find right. his way, like there's probably a, still a little bit of a lack of familiarity. Uh, I did want to ask you here too, like, do you have a specific instance where you remember playing against a former teammate that maybe moved on in the middle of the year that maybe made an impact? I mean, if not, it's okay. I just didn't know if you had like an experience that sticks out to you where you ended up playing a team that a former teammate went to and it like kind of played a role. Not, no, but I remember, and I can't remember who the player or the team was, so it's not very helpful the story, but I remember uh, an offensive player coming over from a team that we were playing. This is when I was in New York and getting all their offensive line calls. Yeah. Oh. And that making a big difference. I mean, like I Christmas. That us. Yeah, that helped us <laughs> a lot. Uh, no, I don't, I don't remember <laughs> that, um, you know, us losing somebody mid-season and that, and that hurting us. I don't remember that. No. No, that's perfect. That's absolutely fine. It's good to hear because like I, I wouldn't have thought about it necessarily about like it being a little bit more you know advantageous for some people you know to have the offensive player coming over, but it makes perfect sense because there's a lot more I think like uh, team wide I guess communication probably going on between snap counts, protection calls, and adjustments that may not be going. So that's good. Um, we're going to continue rolling, but first a quick word from draft sponsor DraftKings here. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is celebrating an unbeatable offer. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for throwing down just $5 on any NBA game. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. You'll start the season with an instant dub. And with DraftKings parlays, everyone's got a shot at even bigger basketball wins. String together multiple bets from the same game or build your parlay across multiple games for a shot at making your payday even sweeter. Basketball's more fun when you're in on the action. We all know that. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use the code KCSN. New customers get $200 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5 only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball for terms of el for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, Mike, we're back. I got the most important question, I think, of this entire thing right here from Positive Positive Toasty. You wake up, it's 2 a.m. and you're hungry. What are you grabbing or making to eat? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, you got to remember, I'm 300 pounds, so I, I'm not. there's not too much thinking going on, especially at 2 a.m. I mean, it's whatever's in the front of the fridge. <laughs> um, I'm a big, like, microwave burrito guy. Uh, you know, that's two minutes left that in. Um, what else? What else do you got? You know, any, if there's, you know, any sort of cold pizza left over. Oh yeah. That's have. the move. That's the move. You know what else I'd like strangely, like, um, uh, ice cream with M&Ms and, uh, okay. uh, some like chocolate syrup or something like yeah. that takes a second, but still, gosh, yeah. What, what else? I mean, really anything when you're, when you're as yeah. big as I am, it's just anything. You know what I mean? I'm an offensive lineman stuck in a D lineman's body. 
<laughs> or I not, like, I, not really. I have an offensive line body too. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so like I, I mostly do intermittent fasting. So I, I, that my, I have like hard, like eating and not eating windows. So I try not to midnight snack too much. Um, uh, but like, if I do, like I'll, I'll branch out. I'm not that strict with this. Like if I do get really hungry, say I didn't have time to eat or something, I just get too hungry. Um, the cold pizza is definitely a, a move. That's a favorite. If it's there, I, I don't got to do anything. It's just ready to go. Like that's my thing at 2 a.m. If I'm like waking up, moving from the couch to the bedroom, like I don't want to make something. It's just what I can grab cold pizza. If there's any kind of leftovers that work. If not, I'm going to the kids snack. Like, uh, we have a tower of kids snacks. I'm just pulling stuff out of there. It might be two things even, but like we're going to the kids snacks at that time of day. There's, okay, there's yeah, no, no worries. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Cylinder chips or something like Pringles or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah whatever it can be. Um, yeah. All right, from uh, Charles McDonald. Okay, this, this is a good one. I actually really like this question because I don't think we've ta- anybody's talked enough about it yet so far. Charles McDonald asks, what do we th- both think about Derek Nottie's season so far, and do we think he's earned another contract for the Chiefs? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I'd have to really look in it. So, you know, Nottie plays, he's what I would have been. He's the modern version of what I was back in the day, right? So he's more of your rotational two-down guy but obviously he can't contribute in the past which i was very limited in um when you look at his stats i mean he's one of those players again given the role that he plays it's hard to get a beat on if he's earned another contract just by looking at statistics so i think you know what is he at 15 tackles something like that this year i don't know if he has any sacks but he can but you don't like he's taking on double teams his technique in the run game, all that stuff is really important. And those are the things that the Chiefs are going to be evaluating to see is he worth, uh, you know, is he worth the contract extension? And I think that, you know, I think the guys like him, I think he's a locker room guy. All those things factor into it. So again, it's hard to tell um, given his stat line, especially when you see how productive a lot of those guys are on the Chiefs defense, um, you know, if he's earned that. I really, I think, would come down to Given his position, he's not the type of guy that you're just counting up stats to see if he's done it. He's he's really factoring in uh, a lot on those, you know, technic- technically factoring in on those defense. And so it's going to be, I think with him, it's going to be an analysis of the tape. Is he bringing value? Is he taking on double teams, scoop blocks, things like that, and helping the guys around him, freeing them up to make plays? Um, so I think it's to be determined. But I think when you factor in all the other stuff that he brings, especially the type of locker room guy that he is, um, you know, I would, I would say that things are more optimistic than pessimistic. Don't you think, Matt? Yeah, I, I, I'm absolutely with you. It locks up. He, the stats are never going to look good. Like I pulled it up here. Um, he has on, on the season, I think eight tackles, two pressures. Oh. That's it. But of those eight tackles, seven are what pro football focus considers a stop. So a tackle resulting in a, you know, non-positive play for the offense. That's pretty good. And to your point, like he is the guy that's eating up, you know, the, the double teams. He's taking on the majority of the block. He's playing next to Chris Jones, Tershawn Wharton the majority of the time. And not that those guys don't make plays versus the run, but neither of those guys really want to be the dude getting in there and holding up the double team. They're trying to they're trying to slip their blocks. They're trying to go make a play in the backfield. That leaves Nadi as the sole guy a lot of times, kind of hanging on to stuff. And I think he's been really good at it this year. Um, I think it was as a rookie. I was really excited about what he had. And then I know there was some hip injuries at times. It looked like he had changed his stance at one point in his career and got more into the uh, frog stance that you see a lot in college. And I didn't like his play as much out of that. And it seems like he's healthier again now, right? Like it yeah. seems like he just needs to be moving better. And it seems like every other game, 
His one, his one tackle that he makes in that game, right? It seems to be one that saves a big run, though. Like, we've seen the big clothesline plays where he's getting out of this gap and kind of making the play on a guy that looks like he has a lot of space to run. So I, I'm intrigued at the end of the year to go back and look because I think this might be Derek Nottie's best season with the Chiefs, and I think that's huge for him because I think we had kind of hit a plateau and we're kind of treading water for the past couple seasons. So it was to see him take a step forward again, I think, it has been really nice. Well, Matt, and to your point, too, another very good point. Um, just like we talked about the offense, you know, especially offensive lines, not being get, able to get into sync because a lot of times the run game isn't the focal point. Um, I, I said get into sync as it relates to the run game. Same thing with defensive line. And, yeah. You know, if you're rushing the pass all the time, everybody's throwing the ball on you, then all of a sudden there's a change up and – you know, you have to be in the right spot or it's going to be a big run. Um, those are key to be able to play those well. And it can be hard to do when you're constantly thinking about rush the pass or rush the pass or rush the error. So to your point, you're exactly right. Nadi's been able to make those plays in key situations, especially given what pro football focus has said. I mean, that's that's huge. And those are the plays that opposing offenses are look, looking to get those big chunks because they're figuring, let's catch teams off guard. And so... Uh, so, yeah, no, that's a good point, and he has shown up there. That's great. No, uh, yeah, and I'm I'm glad for it. I think it's in it. Um, I get it. This is going to be a confusing question. I'm going to try to explain it the best I can. You don't. You didn't get access to this one because I knew I had to explain it. So this is uh, from Snaris. The cheeseburger scale is something that I created this summer when we had to fill a lot of podcast time, and we just ranked the Chiefs group, positional groups on a cheeseburger scale from you know best to worst. Instead of doing one, two, three, four, I ranked cheeseburger places in Kansas City. So it was... Town topic number one, because that's Andy Reid's favorite. Maybe not mine. That was Andy Reid's Westport Flea Market, Whataburger, McDonald's. Like that was the order. I said next year I'm going to change it away from cheeseburger because so many people got upset by my ranking system. I don't know why. Um, so it's <laughs> somebody asked if we we're going to redo the cheeseburger scale with a pizza scale, what pizza places would you want to include? Now we're trying to keep these local to Kansas City. So I don't know if you had any favorite pizza places in Kansas City that you would maybe want to lobby out there. If not, it's okay. You can just tell us your favorite um, anywhere that you're at. Yeah, that's it. So the, these scales are so interesting. Again, when you're a 300-pound lineman, I'm not judgy. Of, pizza is pizza. I, I've sure. never been like, oh, well, that pizza's not good enough. You know what I mean? That's eh. basically, you know, did I not eat, you know, did I inhale it or did I eat it slow enough to actually be able to grade something like that? Uh, but no, when I was in KC... I don't remember the pizza spots because everything, you know, you know, was barbecue. I mean, that was my my focus. Yeah. There. And being Italian, I'm, you know, I uh, there's you know going going to places that aren't like in Brooklyn. There's like a taboo against that, you know. What I mean, so I had to protect my gym, right? But uh, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. And now I'm up here in Northern Maine, where you know, I love our. our you know our you know our community up here is great, but we're, you know you're not coming up to Northern Maine to uh, tip for pizza. You know what I mean? It's not a pizza hotspot. But we have this place called Pat's Pizza, and it's really good. And it's been going for like, I don't know, like I don't know how long, fifty years. I mean, this place has been around forever, and it's just a go-to. There's one in every single town, Pat's Pizza. I don't even know if they have competition. It might be the only pizza place up here. So, so what's, what's the order? What's the order? Yeah. Pat's Pizza. That's what we got to know now. What's that? What are we getting at Pat's Pizza? Like, what's our what's our pizza of choice? So Pat's Pizza's motto is uh, something along the lines of, you don't have to be ashamed to eat a whole pizza by yourself. And that's like, their large pizzas are like 14 inches or something, so they're not like yeah. huge, but you, you want you eat the whole thing. And so uh, I just go with, a, you know, I'm a just standard cheese or pepperoni guy and I'll eat the whole pizza. So, so that's the sort of novel thing is that, 
eat the whole large pizza. So you don't feel that terrible about yourself. You know what I mean? I, I'm in. I'll give it a go. All right. One of places out there because I'm curious to hear what you guys do. So it, see, here's the issue is like I, I usually don't prepare by reading these questions. So like this one, I would have to entirely do on the fly. Um, and I, I put actual thought into the cheeseburger scale, like trying to find the ones. I don't know. It's been a while since I've been in Kansas city. And when I, there, when I lived there, I lived up North. Um, so like all my pizza places were at the time, especially as a you know younger guy, picky eater. It was mostly just, Hey, who's going to give me the most meat lovers on my pizza. I was playing O line D line and I didn't like have the frame necessarily to be 300 pounds. So it was like, Hey, give me a lot of calories. I just go into pizza, Hut, uh, Papa John's kind of places. I will think about this and answer it at a later date because I do I do want to find some. I do have one pizza question to follow up though. Cream cheese on a pizza, like a pepperoni and cream cheese pizza. How are you feeling about that? How's that sound to you? I would certainly, I mean, I love cream cheese. Okay. Uh, I would certainly, I would certainly eat it. I don't know what the result. I mean, I can't imagine it be bad. I, and we're talking <laughs> the cream cheese is melted, right? Melted cream cheese. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Shout out a pizza shuttle. That's a, that's like the it's a pizza shuttle. I I don't I think it might be everywhere. Maybe it's a local thing to Missouri. I don't know. Um, Kit Swanson made me try it one time. I wasn't a big fan, but I know a lot of people really like it, and I know Pizza Shuttle kind of like specializes it there. So like, there's one that's gonna be on the pizza list. I just don't know where it's gonna rank us. Uh, yeah, no, that's good. Pizza Shuttle. I'm I'm in. I'm in on that. I want to try it. Pizza Shuttle might even be the wrong name. I don't even know now. Um, Arrow asks, what do you think is a realistic ceiling for Rasheed Rice in the Chiefs' offense? Um. I've been really impressed with Rasheed Rice. I think a lot of people remember our draft coverage. The Chiefs took Rasheed Rice. And I I was visibly disappointed because he was one of the receivers that I watched. And I was like, I don't think he can beat man coverage. And he drops a lot of passes. And I don't know what that relates to. The more I watched and learned about him, like, oh, this guy loves the weight room. He played the entire year with turf toe. So maybe that's why he couldn't actually run his senior year at SMU. Like, they, he, they wouldn't come off the field with a turf toe injury. And like the more you watch, I'm like, okay, he's a little different than what I thought. I still have reservations, but I started to like the person a lot more and see what the player could be. And I think that's what we've seen for the Chiefs. He's explosive. He's big. He's physical. And he's the second most reliable pass catcher on this team behind Travis Kelsey right now. And he's the guy making plays. Like you can't be anything but excited for what he's going to be. I don't know if he's ever going to be the most technical route runner. Like we still got plenty of growth to do there. And I think we're seeing that he's getting, you know, out of the slot. He's starting to play out wide more. They're isolating him one-on-one on the backside. His touchdown catch, it wasn't isolated, but he was two-by-two on the outside. He ran a little sluggo, found a space in the zone between the corner and the safety. It was excellent route running. Like I think the ceiling's very high. I'm stopping just short of being, like as of right now, of being a like legitimate wide receiver one, but a really, really good wide receiver two in this offense while they have Travis Kelsey. I think that's huge. And maybe there's potential if he starts to really relearn how to run routes. Because at SMU, air raid, go stand on the boundary, and you're one-on-one with 80 yards to work. Like, you don't right. have to run routes. You know, you're just kind of ju- running to places. So right. we'll see how that develops. And maybe there is even more ceiling than what I said. Like, I really like what I've seen. I was entirely wrong with, like, my draft thought on him. But as you learned more about the person, I kind of changed my mind. It's like, I'm excited for Rishi Rice. What, what have you seen just kind of when you're watching the games go along out of him? Well, no, I agree with everything you're saying. I think just one sort of, you know, point to put a cap on it is um, Andy Reid's going to go to a Hall of Fame for a number of reasons. One of those reasons is his ability to figure out what a player does well and to isolate that and take advantage of that. And so Rice is in KC for a reason. You know, Reid sees something that he has and it might just be a matter of time. And like you said, you know, all the things he's got, you know, room to grow, continue to get better. 
but he's there for a reason. I, Andy Reid sees something, and if anybody's going to be able to get it out of him, it's, it's Andy Reid. And so I don't. And when you have Mahomes at quarterback and Kels in the mix and all those veteran guys, I, you know, the, I, I just can only be optimistic for the future for Rice. Yeah. No, that's a great point. I think the Chiefs have done an excellent job using him so far and slowly incorporating other ways to use him so that you're not just jumping, dropping everything on his plate. You're building him up as you give him more. That That's Andy Reid's special right there. KC hmm. from KC, are the Chiefs a top five defense, uh, a top five or better defense with the additions, uh, you know, addition of Charles O'Minahue and as the season keeps up? What, what's your feeling on where the Chiefs rank in the NFL right now? Do you think they're a top five defense at this moment? Yeah, well, I was surprised to hear that they weren't. Well, where I wonder where they are. I mean, they got to be close, right? They they probably are pretty close. I think it depends on how you want to go about it. I do think that they are kind of they're probably sitting somewhere between like four and seven. Um, would okay. be my guess. The 49ers game last night. I, yeah, they're probably somewhere in the top seven for sure. So like they're right okay. there. Do you think they'll maintain that through the rest of the year? I think is probably a better way to to phrase that one. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Especially given. You know, if we're saying that the offense is on an upward trajectory, that's just going to help even more. So, yeah, no. And I mean, like we said, brings a lot to the table, especially when it comes to freeing up Chris Jones and having that extra rusher. rusher sorry. Um, but, uh, yeah, I know. But again, I'm just thinking, like, I thought they, I would have assumed they were a top. I mean, this, this defense is really good. And so to just add, like, that's just going to make them better. But I mean, I don't know. What other defenses are you picking over KC right now? In the NFL, there ain't too many, you know. If right. Browns, 49ers, maybe oh, yeah. like at the end of my list, right? Like that's the that now we start having conversations, right? And so I'm with you. Browns are always so bad that I forget when they start doing good stuff. You're right, the Browns, yeah. Miles Garrett yeah. and silly things. Yeah. Uh Z Andera, uh, the Titans have begun to sell players off. What do we think of Danico Autry? I'm just real quick, my thoughts. I love Danico Autry. I actually think he would be a perfect Chiefs defensive lineman because he does all the dirty work, plays the run well, and would use just say, hey, we need a, a random guy that's not Chris Jones to come up with the pressure in a big spot. He was kind of that guy for the Titans. However, his Chiefs D-line rotation's pretty full and pretty good. I don't know if there's space. Like That's my quick thoughts. I don't know if you have any thoughts on Danico Autry or where you think he might fit with the Chiefs. Yeah, no, I'm not. I mean, you know what? My, my uh, study is pretty much restricted to KC, so I haven't seen a ton of him. I know he fits the mold of what you want. Uh, but with Amendu and, you know, Chris Jones, and like you said, the rotation that we got, um, you know, I guess it would come down to price and timing and all that stuff. I mean, obviously with a guy like that, if you can get him at the right place at the right time, great. But I don't think it's a ne it's a necessary thing. Like, oh, this is going to be some huge step up if we have him and, you know, we're less of a defense without him. I don't, I don't think it's that sort of situation. Yeah, no, that's absolutely fair. Ace of spades. I keep hearing people say this is the best roster of the Mahomes era. Considering he already won two rings, do we think this is the Chiefs' best roster of all time? No shade towards the Super Bowl Four team. <laughs> I don't know how much uh, Super Bowl Four Chiefs uh, tape you have watched, but how do you think this current roster stacks up versus you know the other the last five seasons of these Chiefs teams? It's so hard because he. Right. I mean, these are going to these are going to be the these are the best teams in Chiefs history. I mean, like I'm not a historian. I know we've had great teams, and um, but geez, I'm I mean, you got Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer, and it's not just like we have Hall of Famers and we're winning some games. Like the question alluded to, we have Hall of Famers and we're winning Super Bowls. You know, with with um, uh, you know, AFC Championship every year with Mahomes there. I mean, 
you know, the, the it's it's going to be one of these teams. These are going to be the best teams in Chiefs history. You know, when this is all said and done, and we you know we move on from Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes up for a long time, hopefully. But but these are going to be the teams. Um, you know, this and I think it was one of the questions before. I mean, this is one of the best defenses we've seen. Yeah. With uh, I mean, oh, that might have been the question we just had, but this is definitely one of the best defenses we've seen with Mahomes and crew. And so, you know, that, you know, that tends to, when you, when you see that and you say, okay, you know, given what we know the offense can do, um, it certainly could end up that, the, I mean, this team could, there's not a team in the NFL. You say, oh, they're going to, you know, they could really give they're, you know, they're going to smoke the Chiefs. You know, maybe this team could right. easily win uh, the Super Bowl, and especially the way the defense is playing. So it could turn out to be the case. I mean, uh, I don't know, Matt. What do you think? I mean, clearly you got to be optimistic about this being one of the best teams. Yeah, I think it's one of the best too. Like, I, I, I don't mean to disrespect guys that played in Super Bowl four, but I just think the level of athlete is different now that these teams would would probably beat handily any of those teams. So you're looking to me about either the 2019 Super Bowl winning team or this team to be the most complete. And the reason I go to 2019 is you still had Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz playing at super high levels of tackle. You had Tyree Kill and you had Sammy Watkins healthy for, you know, half the season. And I think there was enough star power on that team with Hill, Schwartz, and, you know, even Sammy and Spurts that it might be able to give this team that has a much better defense overall fits. I, I reserve my judgment to see how this defense right yeah, now that's... defends Tyree Kill. See how they defend Tyree Kill in London, and then I'll tell you which of those two teams wins, right? But this is definitely the most complete team. Best defense yeah. by far and the most complete. I just, that star power in 2019 sticks with me a little bit. So we'll have to see how it plays out the rest of the year, I think. Well said, well said. Keith McLean asks, oh, this is just this is for you, and I, I really like this question. Um, as a defensive lineman, what are your feelings when a defensive lineman has to drop into coverage and end up covering a tight end or a wide receiver like we see KC sometimes do? There is a funny clip out there. When I was with the Jets, we ran this play called Dime Spike, and I was the three technique. Bart Scott was the linebacker, and the idea was I would start as a three and jam down inside and try to get that guard's attention to let Bart get home on a blitz, yeah. the backer, and then I would drop out and fill his position. Well, for whatever reason... This was against the Patriots. Danny Woodhead was the back. And uh, for whatever reason, we ran the blitz and Bart didn't get home and I dropped into coverage. And now all of a sudden I'm one-on-one -on -one covering Danny Woodhead. For those who remember, it's like 5'9", 185 pounds, fast as hell. And if you go and look up that clip on YouTube, um, it's funny because you see me trying to catch him and he runs... <laughs> 60 yard catches the pass runs for 60 yards and Brady even said after the game something along the lines of I like the uh the um the Woodhead DeVito matchup there in the pass game I mean the, okay. when you're dropping a lineman especially a lineman like me into coverage one of the bigger guys there's there's a reason you're you're either you're you're you have an opportunity to get an extra guy up back there to put an hand up or you're hoping a blitz gets home and you know he's no factor in the pass game so you know, it's all about when it's called and that. I always liked it because you get to feel like an athlete a little bit. Then, you know, the the rare situation that you actually have to cover a guy, it's, it can get ugly quick. Please don't let the running back run, you know, the Patriots option route on me. You know, like that, that's what we're coming down to. Um, no, I, I, I mean, look, there's mostly it's going to happen on zone blitzes and it's going to happen. And when we 
you, I can pull countless clips of the Chiefs dropping George Karloftis or Mike Dane into coverage, and it works perfectly. The pressure gets home, or they take away the immediate throwing lane, and it doesn't matter, right? But when it does happen, the one time where Keenan Allen's running an outbreaking route and Mike Dana can't keep up with them, like people get a little upset. Like it, the three other times they called it, it worked. The offense just had the correct answer. They got it fit up correctly, like whatever it may be. I think people jumped to conclusions on those. And I think it started with the playoff loss to the Steelers where Justin Houston got beat by Antonio Brown. And like, oh, why aren't you ever dropping Justin Houston to coverage? Like it's a three, four. He's a linebacker. Like sometimes it's just, it's going to happen. It's play calls. I I like the story though. Like that that's fun, especially as a D tackle. Like you're not getting, you're not dropping as much frequently as like DNs are outside linebackers, and usually you're just kind of playing like that hook zone right there over the middle of the field. But when you get matched up on one guy, well, that's got to be that's got to be a nightmare there for a second. Oh, it's terrible, man. I gotta sh- I gotta try to find the clip and share it on Twitter because it's it's bad. It's um. <laughs> Okay, we're we're gonna get through these last couple here pretty quick, guys. Oh, we've given you guys almost an hour now. We're gonna rip this from Zach Tuttle. But the way the season has started for Felix and Yudike Uzama, where where would you expect him to be at this point? Like, do you like what you have seen from the Chiefs rookie first round pick, Felix, so far, or is he about where you thought he would be? You know, again, I'm not I'm not a guy that's worried too much about where they got drafted. Any rookie coming into the NFL and making any kind of impact, I'm always impressed with. It took me uh eight games. In a in a environment where I had you know OTAs were twelve hour days, we had two a days during training camp for thirty days straight. I had all kinds of you know time to get ready for the defense, get used to the defense, get used to the play call, get used to guys around me, get used to playing against NFL caliber guys. Three pre four preseason games to play in, um, you know. So any guy that comes in, regardless of where they got drafted, and with the limited amount of time that you have to prepare to play in this league. To go out there and do anything, I'm impressed with. And so there's only, you know, there's only uh, room to grow for him, and he will grow. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm I'm impressed with it because he's been out there and he's contributed. And um, uh, and so yeah, no, I'm 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 good with where he's at. Yeah, I think he's been kind of what I thought. He was a developmental pass rusher that has a lot of athletic upside, but there was some technical stuff. There's some tendency stuff that needs to be fixed. Like you still see it. He's a, his snap anticipation's a little up and down. You know, you see the burst and you see the hand technique flash sometimes, but like there's work to be done and that was fine. Like we knew that coming in. He's also in a loaded room of a team trying to win a Super Bowl. Like it's hard to find snaps for him over Karloftis, Dana, Chris Jones playing out at defensive end. Now you have Ominahue back. Like you just, you have a lot of guys to work through for snaps for him. So like, I, I don't think there's any concerns that the snap is, snaps aren't increasing right now but you're still seeing the flashes of why they took him. So like, I, I think no concern. He's about where you wanted to see. Um, Mike Denny, this is a bigger question. So I think that we, I, I just want to hear your general opinion on this. What sort of flexibility would need to be built in for the Chiefs to be comfortable extending Chris Jones? We'll, we're getting tight on time, so we won't focus much on the cap. Just like where, how, where do you stand on should the Chiefs extend Chris Jones and make him you know one of the highest paid defensive linemen in the NFL, or do you think that it might be more beneficial to disperse that money over other players? Well, I think you go for it if you can do it. I think you go for it. I think Feech and um, uh, Coach Reed will find a way to get. You know, I think they're going to try hard as heck to find a way to get it done. You know, if it, any other team, I know you said don't go to the cap, but I think that that's it's okay. I mean, this is the guy you you you. If, if the cap's not an issue, obviously you extend. I mean, I'm not worried about spreading the money. But you know what? And if you're any other team, I'm saying you can't get this done with all the all-stars you have on that team, except for Kansas City. <laughs> all right, you have Mahomes taking less money, Kel's taking less money, 
there's just something very special about that locker room where you got guys being selfless when it comes to financial situations, which is unheard of, unheard of. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I think you do the best you can to make it work um, because I think he he's just one of those rare guys that can win you games in important situations as a three tech, you know, and that that's very rare, but he's one of those guys. Yep. I'm, I'm in agreement. I think if you can figure out a way to financially make it work and it's not going to hamstring you up against the salary cap, you you find a way to make it work. I know the Chiefs have been a little hesitant about guys of his age and to pay them big money. And, you know, if they have a lot of research in there in their building that says defensive tackles at this age start to slow down and they pull up, you know, J.J. Watt, Aaron Donald, who are still good players at this age, but maybe not the same guys as they were. Like, maybe. Maybe I'll hear the conversation, but you watch this Chiefs team right now, and, like, he clearly is their best defensive player. He makes so many plays. If you can financially do it, do it. But I don't think that they will, you know, they won't tie their hands together to pay anybody besides Patrick Mahomes, I think, at this point. So, like, it all depends on how Brant Tills gets that cap room figured out. Yeah, great point, Matt. Um, B Higgs, uh, in light of Bolton's injury, w- what does it feel like in an NFL locker room? Like what is being the next man up actually feel like? Like you say, Oh, the starter in front of you is out. You got to go in. What, what does that actually do in a locker room? How do people approach that situation? Yeah, that's a great question. You, you know, what really happens? You hear the next man up and that's really true. You have to have the trust in the guys behind to come in and make plays, but there's also talk now in the defensive line room, in the secondary, uh, to say, Hey, new guys in there. We got to pick up the slack. You know what I mean? We got to make sure he comes in, he feels comfortable, make sure you're on your P's and Q's, you're playing your techniques, you're not making it any harder for him than it needs to be because now you have a new guy in there that's, that's you know, getting used to playing that full-time starting role. And so, you know, the linebacker room is going to have that mindset where we are, we trust this guy next to us to come in and fill in. But there, I, I would imagine there is going to be that message across the defense to make it easier on this guy because we know it's, his, you know, it's, First time taking full time snaps. Oh, I, I, that's an excellent point. I, so, like, I, I guess it hasn't really crossed my mind much. Not just the guy coming in or anything like that, but like people around him just being like, "Hey, like, you know, not that no one's not playing their hardest, but just being like, hey, can is there anything extra I can do to maybe help out and a uh, new guy coming in at least for a little while, like that says maybe he's not going to be hitting the ground playing the same speed or on the same page as all of us. What can I do to help him a little bit? Like, I think that is something that we might see coming for. Drew Tranquil's already been in for the Chiefs, thankfully. I think this is mostly in reference to Nick Bolton. Drew Tranquil started games, played the whole thing. So, like, I think they should feel pretty good about that. But it's still worth noting that, like, what help other guys might be given around him. Yeah. Uh, Derek in the mountains. This is another great question. This one is just for you now. What was your game day outfit? What was the game day fits like for you um, going in? And do you have any memorable ones of teammates that really stand out to you? Oh, man. So, when I was in... Kansas City, I, you know, because Kels was on the team, I I would try to, I would try to, I, like, he he up everybody's game on the field and off, like, with the swagger off the field. And so I remember picking out an outfit once and, like, trying to do something cool like he would. And I think it was, like, a skinny tie and something. And I was like, I can't wear this. This is, this, this doesn't, I just don't work. I can't do it. Um, I, you know, I'm lucky to have uh, a wife who has great fashion sense. So I was your normal, you know, nice slack. I like the dress up. So slack, yep. button up, but I would change up the colors, right? I, and this was because of my wife, Jesse. She, you know, I'd have purples and pinks and all these different line shirts and stuff. So I looked, I looked, you know, as good as you're going to look for me. Uh, I'll try to post a pic for you, Matt. We put this out, but yes. um, 
but I, I tried to I tried to up my swag to catch up with Kels when I was there, and I was like, oh, I can't walk out the house looking like it just doesn't work for me. You know, skinny tie doesn't work, and like tight jeans don't work when you're three twenty. It's not a good look. He's got something going on, like cause, so. You see some of his stuff now, like there's like these big sweaters that like hang down to like the knees, and so it's like his stuff. That I see like, hey, he's pulling it off fantastic, and like I could never imagine putting it on and even like walking up to my wife and be like, you think this looks good to go out in front of all the cameras? But like he's got it figured out, man. It's like good for him. I like the classy look, and I like you know the wife. That's that's a good touch, getting her to get some splashes of color in there, so it's not the same the same fit every single week. I enjoy that. Well, Mike, I think that wraps it up. That's that's probably about 21 questions for us. I appreciate your time. We gave the people about 60 minutes worth of questions. So that's awesome. Uh, thank you for thank you for hopping on here with me. Oh, man. Thank you for having me on, Matt. This was fun. And hopefully the, uh, everybody thinks it was was good. But uh, no, thank you for having me, brother. Oh, I'm sure that I'm sure that they will. Thank you guys, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it. And we will uh, catch you guys with, oh, I don't know, one of 23-ish podcasts that are coming about you about the Chiefs this week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.